the movie this week for the BFI. I am very happy to uh, introduce the 1954 uh, film by the director Kenji Mizuguchi, Japanese Sancho the Bailiff or Sancho Dayu. It is on the critics list and what number is it on the critics list? 59. It's number 59 on the critics list, number wow. 100, 141 on the directors. So not too bad of a difference. And um, this is our first Japanese film. Is this our first Japanese film that on the list? True. I think it is true. I don't want to I don't want to say it is because I've always we've had uh, few edward yang films but not any japanese films yeah and we had les samurai which is a french film <laughs> despite having the word samurai wow. in the title that's yeah. interesting so this is I our our see. first our first of six uh, japanese films on the bfi Ooh. list uh two from mizuguchi two from ozu and two from kurosawa kurosawa was gypped ozu was given one too many and we'll discuss two Mizuguchi from here. Ozu? Yeah. Actually, I, I, um, I don't even know. You could put, you could put, just, just fill the list with Ozu movies. Why not? Who cares? He's got, a, this, he's got a lot. He does have a lot. But speaking of a lot of movies, uh, just a quick introduction as to the director of this film, Kenji Mizuguchi. Uh, there are like three godfathers of Japanese cinema, Mizuguchi. Kurosawa and Ozu, Kurosawa being the, <laughs> Kurosawa obviously being the, the most well known, Ozu being kind of like the uh, uh, the the art house grandfather of the whole deal, and then Mizuguchi is the like the 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 who's who, like you have to in the know kind of director. Um, I, I believe he's the oldest of the three, and he is a very interesting, very interesting man, very interesting life. He is, you know, we talk about Takashi Miike being a absolute monster putting out movies every every single year. Um, but uh, Mizuguchi put out like 75 movies in 35 Jesus years of working. Christ. It is monstrous. Most of them have been lost, um, which oh, is the, just the case shame. for for a lot of uh, Japanese films. A lot of these movies are we're talking about like the silent era before World War Two. A lot of yeah. movies were obviously lost in the war, um, and most of the movies we know him by now come from after that period. Um, he's also uh, directed movies uh, in the Criterion Collection. You'll probably those are probably the most famous, simply because they've been put out in Blu-ray in the in the West. Uh, movies like A Story from Chikamatsu or Crucified Lovers, Ugetsu, which is also on the BFI Ugetsu. list. Yep, Utamaro yep. and his five women, uh, the story of the last chrysanthemum, sisters of the, the Gion, lots of lots of interesting movies, some of which uh, are very well renowned. The Life of Oharu, I think The Life of Oharu, Ugetsu and Sancho the Bailiff all won the or were recognized at Khan at some point. He is uh, Mizuguchi was the, the Kaye, Kaye de Fusu Cinema. Those people, including Godard, huge fan of Mizuguchi. Orson Welles was a huge fan. Um, he's a very well-respected director that is almost ignored or not known a lot in, uh, mm -hmm. and even in, even in like big cinema circles, he still has, uh, 
some some degree of uh, obscurity. Anyway, so ooh, Sancho the Bailiff. Sancho the Bailiff. What a film. Where where does one begin? So this is a um, this is a folklore tale of uh, of, of Japanese history. Uh, it was uh, passed down many years as like an oral tradition kind of thing, and um, eventually a writer in the early 1900s wrote down the story uh, in one of. It's probably written down before that, but this was like the first, yeah. the main version of it. Uh, it was the version that Mizuguchi and his writers adapted, um, adapted quite liberally, added, subtracted, made additions to, and it tells the story of um, in ancient Japan, a, there's a governor who disobeys uh, the, the government when they want to exploit the peasants. Um, because he supports them and so he's banished and he's separated from his, his wife and kids we follow his wife and kids um, who spoiler alert they are captured and sold into slavery and it is about their trials and tribulations and trying to find each other again it is it's a hard movie to watch um it's very I, depressing <laughs> i i could speak quite a bit about the the background and and more about mizuguchi himself uh, but i am curious this is a film we've both seen before yeah um, i'm curious this is the second time for for chandler as to what his his new uh thoughts are on the film i will say it's my biggest problem with this movie why is it named after sancho so is that a problem with the film or you just don't like the title no it's just dumb <laughs> interesting titles titles have no sway over me um it has it's about the movie it's just very interesting to me yeah it's it's a film that is about the the cruelty of humans and and our ability to be mm -hmm. merciful and i think it's interesting that in in such a film uh they name it after the the worst literal worst character in the movie and yeah um, i kind of i kind of like the title that's just the that's the historical title that just kind of came along with the myth yeah so that that was the the obvious obvious what to go with um it's interesting that you you first thing you do is comment on the title i don't know if you have you seen the the roger ebert review of the movie or read it take a look at i it, did read the, it i did read that's it. The, the first thing he mentions is it's a movie that has a strange title that yeah. is based off of the uh, essentially the villain who doesn't show yeah. up until like 35 minutes into the movie it's odd it, it has no sway over my opinion it's okay. something I, I just i find interesting and the movie itself, I'd like this movie. It's I think I had the same exact experience I had the, the first time I watched it, where like the first half, I'm like, this is amazing. And then it hits like this weird structural impasse halfway through where I become gradually less interested as the movie goes on. I, I really appreciate what this movie is about, and I think it really exemplifies just how fucking horrible <laughs> humans are. The whole uh, the the concept of slavery in general um and just how it explores it and exploitation to a exploitation to a yeah sense yeah uh but for me like what prevents this movie from being like great to me is like its main character i don't know it's just i feel like the the potency of the legend sort of gets lost in the ability to adapt or in the process of adapting it and translating it Mainly because the main character to me, I don't know his name. He's not Sancho. Um, he's the governor's son. I'm so Zushio. bad with Asian. Yeah, Sushio. I'm so bad with Asian um, films and their names. Um, so Sushio, 
he has this really interesting but sped up arc where he begins the film as sort of like a proponent for his father's words. And then he gets sold into slavery. And then there's a time jump where he sort of becomes like one of the crueler slaves. He becomes the one that's sort of like the the foot soldier for the, the Sancho largely sides with Sancho. But like to me, it's missing like a sort of element where you could see how they would change into that because like there's there's a big time jump and I know a lot of inferences can be made in the span of 10 years, but I don't it, know. It's less I just, so, I, I think, an inference thing because um, ironically, this uh, I've had the movies grown on me over a while and that was never my issue. It's actually the other side of his arc that I had issues with because um, th- th- this side of the arc one like it, it, it there's a time jump. That for me makes sense as like a child who has been sold into slavery and grows up in that environment. Yeah. It just makes sense. Like that's something that just makes logical sense to me is like, okay, in order to survive and to as best thrive in this kind of circumstance, you have to kind of like harden your heart and and do what is what is required of you from your enslaver. Um, and he forgets about himself because it's been, you know, he was a child when he was he was sold into slavery. And but his sister didn't have any issue with that. And his sister was younger than him. He was like no, 12. Yeah. Yeah. But they are, you know, different people and they yeah. have different tasks and different. Um, obviously, it skips over stuff quite. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's part of the story. And, you know, interestingly enough, in the 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 legend, that's not the case. It doesn't skip. Um, there's weird. They they spend, from what I, I heard, I think it's like a year in captivity before they escape. And in the film, it's specifically changed to be 10, 15 years that they're they're enslaved, which I think is a good good addition. It also prevents Mizuguchi from having to use child actors, which is get the children out of there, <laughs> get to the real they're actors. All right. Yeah, I, they're I, all right. I, no, I have yeah. no issue with that. Yeah, from from my point of view, I'm just going to put this out there here, right? This is this is one of the the greatest films ever made. Um, <laughs> not not necessarily, although I think it is the case, but not necessarily. I, th- I think I'm going to start the argument, not necessarily from a, a technical point of view, um, although that argument can be made. Um, I have no problem. More so that yeah. more so from like what it is doing and saying and i don't think i can think of i can't think of any other movie in a like a classical film from america well certainly not america jesus christ um or or anywhere else in the world that is so like spiritually beautiful in a way that like that is haunting and that it that sticks with you regardless of whether you you find some of the the specific plot elements to work or not yeah. It's a story that is hard to get out of your your mind and it is so focused on saying and demonstrating something that is um not not just inherent to humanity but but striving towards something better. And the way that it does that I think is very beautiful. It it says a lot. There's a lot you can read into it, but at the very least, not even looking at any of that, it just it just stands as a unique work in cinema. Whether, you know, quality aside, it's hard to yeah. forget. It's hard, hard not to to it. It stands out in the crowd. Yeah. 
see when I was rewatching this because I watched this December of last year. I looked on Letterboxd just on a whim. Um, I don't know what what caused me to watch it that day, but I watched it and I liked it. And then I was wa- uh, preparing to watch this again. I remember thinking, I don't remember anything from this movie. Like, I literally wow. don't remember how this movie what happened. But like 15 minutes into it, once you get around to the part where they get sold in slavery, everything came back to me. And I was. But do, do you remember like, like the general feeling you had? Because yes. I remember you, you weren't yes. looking forward to the reviewing, which is. That's the correct. <laughs> You know, well, it is very correct, depressing. But, I'll say that. Yeah. Well, um, there's one famous critic that says he never wanted to watch it again because he wanted to be just left with that perfect, yes. depressing experience of the first time watching it. Yes. And I agree to that extent. Um, but yeah, it was the reason I didn't want to watch it is because I just I remember watching it and thinking it was good, but there was nothing necessarily that there's nothing about it that I thought would get better on a second rewatch. Um, and to an extent, that's true. I still am not like crazy about this movie. I like it enough to say that it's a good movie. Um, but where was I even going with that? I <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the folklore elements do stick with me, though, because I don't remember much of the plot and the plot doesn't really matter. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that sort of through line of just this desperate plea to for humanity to come together there's a really great line halfway through when suishi what's that what's his name suchi uh zushio zushio when zushio finally uh, spoilers when zushio escapes and he Mm. and he goes and he sees like a former worker of his father's or whatever and he learns about his father and that that like advisor has a line where like you know uh humanity can only really come together when it's not like solely interested in their best interest or something along those lines where he, hmm. he basically summed up the the human experience down to just this inability to empathize the and i the do line to clarify is yes okay, say something it, along the lines of um it's hard to get other people uh, to get people to care about things that don't directly impact concern them, them. or at yeah, least that's yeah. the idea the sentiment yeah that's being expressed and I think that that sentiment, I think this movie really expresses well, because mm. um, holy shit, just it's not like it, another movie. This really reminds me a lot of, obviously, uh, is 12 Years a Slave, 12 mm-hmm. Years a Slave sort of uh, calls into mind that like lack of empathy, but it also does it through like some really hard to watch imagery. Um, this stuff, it's a lot implied. It's a lot of like inferences made through like changing characters and passages of time, which um sticks in a different way it's just like towards the end it loses so much steam that it doesn't necessarily keep my attention it doesn't keep me in that place long enough to leave much of an impact but i do think what it sets out to do does really well i do think it's like mandatory viewing i think everyone needs to sort of like be reminded through this film just empathy in general but um it's a movie that i can see like in the future um even if like a movie comes along and does it better quality wise technically wise mm-hmm. uh, that i find hard to believe that it won't ever be in like the canon of of cinema of like no i agree sort of not, not, not like citizen kane status but like for for my money this is probably one of the best expressions in cinema of japanese culture uh on, on like a variety of levels there's references to a few different legends in here like there's one point where the uh, one of the slaves is an older woman and she's dying and she's being left uh, abandoned on a mountaintop, which is not strictly part of the the 
Sancho uh, myth. It's actually taken from another myth that was made into movies like uh, the Ballad of Ballad Nariyama of Nariyama, yeah, and the practice of abandoning old people in Japan. And so there are there are like other um, myths and legends and, and cultural things that are all kind of like mixed in here. And the thing that that really gets me, and I'd be curious. I almost want to say like I should have told you this before, uh, so you could mm-hmm. have watched it with an inch uh, the lens going in. Um, but it is. I think Sancho the Bailiff has a lot of undercurrents of um, perhaps explicitly leftist uh, themes, if you want to say that, or at the very least, it is um, making having comments on like the power and power hierarchies and the way that those systems create oppression. Mm -hmm. And it. This this time around, I was really interested in looking at that specifically. And, you know, I had watching it the first and second times I had, you know, specific ideas and criticisms about some of like the, the, the plot developments and like, well, this is it, it feels kind of unrealistic or whatever. And, you know, there is a certain amount of uh, theatricality to it because it is definitely coming from uh, a place, a fable, you know, a yeah. fable in Japan, but also from mm-hmm. like Kabuki and no theater very much influenced mizuguchi you can see those influences also in like some of kurosawa's work too um but like the using of kind of uh unrealistic action to distill things to kind of like more simpler beats um yeah and there's there's just there's just it says a lot about humanity and it's not specific in any way where like you you watch it and you'd say like oh well my politics disagree with that no it's not a political film but mm-hmm. it is a film that you know calls out to the the humanity of people and it does so in a way that kind of is very harsh uh, a critique on um inaction uh on people's part towards uh injustices because i think there is a little bit of a critique of the it's actually his uh, sancho's son he's the one that leaves the compound uh, at the beginning of the film because he doesn't like what's happening to the children uh, and he goes to become a buddhist priest and there's some very pointed uh commentary about the priesthood in the film or whatever you want to call that religion or whatever and the kind of the distance that that has and how those religions uh in this case the buddhist and the buddhist priests claim to be about helping uh the common people achieve enlightenment but when all is said and done, they just kind of escape into their own little secluded world of these temples. And, yeah. you know, and then in the beginning, it's a it's a woman Buddhist priest that betrays them and sells them into slavery. Um, is she Buddhist? Shinto, Shinto Buddhism. Yeah. Apologies for not not making that. Yeah. Anyway, so thematically, I think like it seems very simple, simplistic on on like a first viewing, but I think there's a lot you can read into it about different power dynamics. And then there's like a whole lens of of um, femininity and the way uh, that women are oppressed. That is, if you watch any amount of Mizuguchi films, he is obsessed with that, like the way that culture presses women and 90 percent of his films uh, primarily feature women main characters uh, dealing with really shitty circumstances. (laughs) <laughs> um, and trying to escape from those um and i think probably you know from a certain point of view i think you are you hit on something when you said like the main character zushio isn't exactly the most interesting um and you know the the character work isn't supposed to be i think the interesting part of the film um, yeah 
But hitting on that point, I do think that uh, his sister is probably the more compelling of the two until she exits the film. Um, and that, like, her specifically, that is reflected a lot. Her, her narrative in the film is reflected a lot in a lot of other uh, Mizuguchi's filmography and works. And yeah. Thematically, that's my my case for the film. But if you want, I can make a very good case for how well constructed the movie is and how how well shot it is. Well, it's um, very well shot. I'm not going to argue there. The 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 composition, the way that Mizuguchi frames actors and characters, is very much reminiscent of like Japanese ink paintings. Uses a lot of um, really well balanced imagery, where like could be have like a negative space but it's balanced out and um particularly like there's some some scenes in this have just rightly become iconic within the those who know sort of thing <laughs> like the 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 scene when his sister uh anju commits suicide is one of the most beautiful things put on on screen hauntingly terribly tragically beautiful but just the way that she like descends down into the bamboo forest and it's like misty and she's almost like a ghost and then disappears into the the ripples of the of the pond. Every time I watch that, like it, it doesn't necessarily always the film doesn't always affect me emotionally throughout the film. Like I, I do kind of view it from a distance, mm-hmm. um, but I do always I can't help but being invested in something, whether it is the characters or, or the aesthetics of the film or just, you know, I'm not strictly invested in it. But I am feeling something for for how it is being expressed in such a beautiful way. Um, yeah, won't disagree. Won't yeah, disagree I, I know. I'm 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 more so just trying to make the the case for the audience. Didn't watch it. The ending. It's, it's a hard film. Also, mm. it is it is a hard film. Uh, the ending has always bothered me, um, and I think it's always the ending that sort of just it's the last straw for me. Because the ending to me feels so like oppressively bleak. Um, and I understand why. It's obviously a very bleak story. What, it's, what it's, part of the ending? Okay, so here's here's where it always I'm just, he so he it, what's his name? I always forget his name. Zushio. Zushio. Zushio goes, seeks out his mother, goes to mm-hmm. the brothel that she worked at, um, finds a woman by her name or whatever. Uh, asks around for like no that's not her the other one and then everyone says oh she died a long time ago in some sort of flooding tsunami thing then he goes to like the ocean and she's there even though like literally the scene before they were all saying that she was dead i don't know why well it's supposed to be like that, a red herring sort of of like but it's such a lazy dead. red herring <laughs> is, is it though like i i feel the because it makes i, I think reference to a broader point of the the hardships just of like general the japanese of like tsunamis and it's like she wasn't the only one it's not like oh yeah she died yeah. In, the, in the tsunami no it was a bunch of other people who died in this a bunch of people died and were, were carried out to sea in the tsunami and so it's it's more so feeding into the the levels of of oppression for the the poor and you know you can't even escape from the fucking nature it's gonna kill you too yeah oh it's just one of those things where i don't know it just seems like lazily misdirectional where literally the scene before they say that she's dead oh she ends up being there that scene where they reconnect i think is really strong 
in general you know it's like a it's it's sort of like a catharsis but it's still like very yeah. depressing but i don't know at the end i'm just like okay uh the the father's dead the sister's dead the mother's blind they reunite he freed the slaves but they're still like i don't know it's it's so i almost wish that it was bleak in the service of something a little more tangible to me it just it's it's it asks for empathy and it shows all these like depressing things and in the end it just leaves you in this pit of depression and i don't know it just it never speaks to me in a way that sort of uh, lets us in on the fact that we can overcome this that there's like a light at the end of the tunnel it just sort of like life is shitty and then you die i've I've never been a fan of those kinds of movies i'm not obviously life is a lot more complicated but that is that is a it is certainly making a point and whether or yes. not you you vibe with the point is perhaps irrelevant towards the quality yes but that's the thing is that there's a certain <laughs> amount of, of film viewing where i don't know like a film has to speak to you personally to sure. really D- does it not speak to you like at all in any of it no not it's always like that ending where i'm always so invested to the point where um, he frees the slaves and then everything after that, I'm just like, get on with it. I don't know why it just loses me at that point every time. And I guess the, I think mm. more about that parts that don't invest me than the parts that do, which is not what I usually do. Again, I, like I said, I literally the green night before I'm telling you that that's the opposite case, but I don't know. It's just when recalling film, it's such an emotional thing where I can only think it, the stuff that bothers me more uh bothers me than the stuff that i like i don't know why i i it's a very good expression i just don't necessarily vibe with it all the way interesting well it i don't know the the i don't again i don't necessarily vibe with it the whole way but it it does it speaks to something i i feel that's human in all of us and it the ending i wouldn't say it's completely bleak i mean they do they they find each other at the end and there is this kind of bittersweet moment of where she says well you i know you must have followed your your father's ideals because that's how you were able to find each other in the end um yeah and so you know like he did the right thing he did something and in the end they they you know they fought their sister and uh, his father dead um but you know you can't feel I feel like it's not that sad. Like the father doesn't really factor into that. The real sad part of it is the sister. The father doesn't really yeah. factor into it simply because, you know, he was he was off screen for the vast majority of the film. And you yeah. could tell that he was living a, a good life wherever he was because uh, Zushio goes and visits his grave and all the, the peasants there where he, he was exiled to uh, still leave him flowers because he left such a. Uh, an imprint on their lives and did did good things for them there so he see i i uh i do also find that father figure interesting because in the end he's basically um uh lambasted by his peers for doing exactly what a leader should do <laughs> like he acts in the interest of his people over the those that are close around him and he's like villainized for it and i just think that's an interesting commentary because is that not literally what people are supposed to do in those positions well no because part of the thing about the the the, the cultural thing, I mean, Chandler. <laughs> since since when since when have, have governments done what's best in, in I know. the interest of the people? They they they, yes. they frame yes. it as such, but yes. the framing has little to do with what the, the actual results are. That that notwithstanding, the the 
the Japanese society itself is a very much a, a hierarchical society. It's based on Confucius values where there is a huge emphasis placed on the respect for one's parents and the respect for one's uh, superiors. Um, mm-hmm. And there is there's some interesting um, conflict between those two of where Zushio mm-hmm. is torn between what his father taught him and what the, the system itself is asking of him. Um, but ultimately, like the the system here, specifically in Japan, and I think it, it can be broadly applicable, is very much a hierarchical system. And the there are classes of people. It's not quite as like stratified stratus stratified as something like <laughs> India, where like you literally yeah. have people who are like, oh, you you were born to be shit. But to a certain extent, that's what it was. Like yeah. the the one of the reasons why Zushio and Anju have to hide their names is because they are nobility. And if Sancho finds out that they're nobility, that's that's illegal. Like you're not allowed to. Not everyone was free game to become a slave in that society. And so there's a very real potential that Sancho would have killed them if he found out that they were high born because he wouldn't want the 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 stain of dishonor or anyone to find out that that he had done that. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's a lot in the film, a lot about the like the stratification of society and how, you know, the peasants aren't really the primary concern of the ruling noble classes and the perpetuation of that through uh, tradition ritual whatever you want to have it i find it very interesting at the very least from as like a portrait of of japanese society and i think it has a a broader application but it the the commentary i just i listened to that today as i was working who uh, Um, who is it tony rains no it's not tony rains thank goodness something that he didn't do (laughs) i love tony rains nothing tony i do too you're not tony rains does I was looking through the commentaries he did. It's like 90% Asian films, but he does a few Godard too. Uh, Jeffrey Engels. Oh, okay. Engels. It's a, it's a and, beautiful cover. Yeah. So he's actually a, a Japanese liter, literature scholar and oh. he talks. I found the commentary to be extremely enlightening, not necessarily about like the, the techniques and stuff in the film, which it was. Um, I very much appreciated that when he did make comments about the, the filmmaking, it was not bullshit like in the pickpocket commentary. Uh, it was like <laughs> he was pointing to actual things in the film and and giving actual yeah. examples and not just pulling vague, meaningful symbols out of his ass. Um, but for the most part, he was not talking about the film. Per se, more so about the 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 cultural references and the legend and how it evolved over the years and how Mizuguchi tweaked and manipulated the the uh original story to create what is um actually a quite contemporary version of a very old story and that's another reason that i really like it like i can't help but sometimes think of uh world war ii while watching this movie and a very like japanese response to that whole situation and the absolutely terrible war crimes that that japan was was doing um and you can almost feel like Mizuguchi feels uh, almost complicit in the way that the the priest is of like running away from all that um, mm-hmm. and that but that doesn't actually solve anything. And you have to actually um, work within the system to a certain extent. Like the, the, there's. There's some limitations to how far it can go with like how it's like commenting on like how actual social change can happen. Um, 
But the thing that is interesting is that even though it's like an ancient folktale, it feels very much um, modern and contemporary because it, it, Mizuguchi is very much in his process of adaptation. He's adding things that feel um, like modern values on top of this and kind of grafting those together. And the whole subplot about the father teaching his son that um, all, all lives matter, that that was a terrible uh, uh, phrasing of that, that lesson. <laughs> I was not trying to reference anything. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm gonna take all people deserve dignity group chat. <laughs> oh my Jesus Christ take content oh I'm gonna cut it out I'm not I say I will but I'm not I'll leave my embarrassment in there it's not really embarrassing it's just something that I it's not it's do. not an, it's not an embarrassing sentiment it's just uh, used by embarrassing people <laughs> that's a great way of putting it embarrassing people uh, if only they, if only they were just embarrassing um Undercutting. But there, you know, you know, so there's there's a, a very humanistic sentiment that his father has that is not anywhere whatsoever in the original folktale and is has been oh, okay. added That's supplied by yeah. Mizuguchi. I highly recommend the commentary and it it's opens up a lot of like um different lenses with 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 which we, you can view the film. Mm-hmm. Happily. Does it deserve Happily. to be on the BFI list? I think so, Chandler. No. <laughs> Interesting. So uh, the rare I, split take. The hey. rare split take. I will. Um, I will ask you to reconsider your position. <laughs> once, once we watch Ugetsu. Okay. Sure. Which spoiler alert? I think this is the better of the two, but oh. Ugetsu is the higher uh, placed one. Why did I, I? For some reason, I get Ugetsu mixed up with Onibaba. <laughs> uh, maybe uh, Chandler. Very quickly, you mentioned it's this, nice. but I will nice make mention cover. again. This is a beautiful guy. It is probably one of the more beautiful Criterion's. It has kind of like the um, like a papery feeling that like uh, different texture, a different texture to the 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 whole set, and um, there's just a simplicity to it that evokes the feeling of the of the film in a way that I think is um, effective box art. Wonderful. Great movie. Beautiful, beautiful. Well shot. I think it's a very well written film. Very interesting film on a cultural, historical level. And um, I definitely think it deserves to be on the BFI list. So I'm overruling Chandler. This is now just me. Chandler's fired. (laughs) No, I actually, I I am happy there's a split take. We don't get enough of those. We don't. We really don't. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, the other thing I, I couldn't help but think about as I was uh, watching and, and analyzing the the morality and politics of, of Sancho the Bailiff, I couldn't help but think of uh, hear Slavo Žižek's voice in my head. This film is pure ideology. <laughs> <laughs> I still love that his only contribution to Criterion is the horniest movie. <laughs> yes, the video, the, the essay discussion on that. Uh, Still need to watch that. Still need to watch quite a few of my uh, Barnes & Noble July pickups. Same. Same. But hey, I got through the box. You did. That's That's great. I got through the box. I'm going to go through the supplements too. Some of them are just like weak, but I was watching. There's like it. It's weird. Like two of them have zero supplements and then like fucking 2046 has like nine 
And In the wow. Mood for Love has like an hour long documentary. So I'm going to go through. So I didn't rewatch In the Mood for Love for Chunking. So I'm just going to do that whenever because I've seen them both so many times. But yeah. Getting through them. Getting through them. All right. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, let us know what your, your thoughts are on the films. And um, if you've seen any Steven Seagal movies, that's important. Or Poirot. This is slowly becoming a Steven Seagal Poirot <laughs> double feature podcast. It will just, our last like 25 episodes will just be double featuring the two. <laughs> Split take where every week we pair a BFI list with the, the Steven Seagal picture it most resembles. <laughs>